Hello and welcome to Ignite, the show where we hope to ignite your passions by talking to industry professionals about what it is that they do and how it was that they came to be doing their roles. My name is Peter Titchmarsh. In today's show, we're going to be talking to Jack Wilson. Let's roll the music. I'm a sports scientist. I think I prefer the term performance coach uh, at Porsche Human Performance at Silverstone. Yeah. So if you look at my contract, it would say sports scientist. But I think, I don't know, I'm just not a massive one for, for, for titles, really. I think performance <laughs> coach is, I don't know, less pretentious and maybe. <laughs> pretentious. Um, maybe just, I think scientists are the people who are, you know, in the labs with the white coats. To put me in the same <laughs> to put me in the same breath as those people might be doing them a disservice and maybe uh, an over exaggeration of what I do, but um, yeah, I like I like the term performance coach. <laughs> I think that's a more encompassing title than what I do in terms of the broad nature of it. <laughs> so, what what title would would go on your CV? I think I, I think well it depends what job it depends what job it depends what job I'm applying for I guess well yeah sports scientist or performance coach I think either either works do you, do you think do you think it kind of like would serve you to be a sports scientist um, I think sports science is like a buzzword isn't it that people <laughs> like not like to throw around but uh, at the crux of it what's my job it's to ultimately improve people. Um, and oftentimes that's performance orientated. Granted, it's health as well, but I don't think it's too far a stretch to call like, improving someone's health, improving their performance. Because you ask the question like, why would you want to improve your health? And it's ultimately just like perform better in life, right? To have more yeah, energy too. over the course of a daily basis, uh, even if it's like a mental health side of things, to be able just to perform better in the day at whatever it is you need to do. Like for a lot of people we work with, it's athletes who the job of performance is to help them, you know, win in a certain context or achieve a certain standard in their sport. Um, whereas for people who aren't athletes but would still want to interact in the sort of things that we do at the Porsche Human Performance Centre, um, yeah, their goal is just to perform better in whatever it is they've got to do on a day-to-day, be that their job, be that in family life, be that for them, just get through the day, you know? So yeah. I, I like the term performance coach for that reason. <laughs> that it, it's, it's, I think it's a better fitting title for the broad nature of things that we, that, that, that that we you do, that, that I end up do. doing here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what what was young Jack like? Well, you know, obviously this isn't your end goal. This is probably something you've been doing, or is it your end goal? Or is it something you've been doing for like I know you've been doing for what fourteen or so years? But well, yeah, I guess so. I started my internship here in two thousand and twelve, um, so that was ten years ago now. Okay. Um, so yeah, probably started studying sports science around like fourteen years ago, maybe even longer than that now. If I if I think about it. Um, but yeah, I guess young Jack, I think, um, was very lucky and very fortunate. Um, it would be the first thing I would say. 
because I had a, I, looking back, I look at my childhood like super fondly insofar as I had a great sort of family environment, um, grew up in, in obviously in Cardiff, in South Wales. And um, yeah, I went to, uh, went to an, uh, you know, a pretty cool, for, for me it was like, a, I mean, it's pretty standard primary school, but at the time I don't remember wanting for anything. I don't remember childhood being particularly hard. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't like we were living the lap of luxury at the same time, but um, yeah, I you yeah, didn't l- you, look back on my childhood years and yeah, it was, it was, it was all you got fun, you got kind enjoyable. of got got along with everybody and yeah, got along got along with everyone. Um, yeah, d- d- don't really recall like yeah any any major like traumas or hardship, and I think that's quite a fortunate position that, to be in when, when, when you when you look in, back yeah. at it. Um, so I'm very appreciative of that, and that's obviously a consequence of. You know the 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 childhood that my parents uh, um, set up for me, um, just the general environment that I was in at that time, and and I just remember just being like I don't know, just very always be. And I suppose you always are as a kid. You know, kid goes to primary school. Obviously, you know you have your, your, your you know you want to be an astronaut, you want to be a footballer, you want to be this that and the other. But I don't think anyone truly starts what, to have serious thoughts. Was a fireman, about that. I, think, I think you know what I think. I think mine was a lollipop man. You know. <laughs> Mine was a a lollipop man, (laughs) I I seem to remember when I was a kid. Um, Because the lollipop man that we had was just always, he seemed, he always seemed super happy. Um, And I just looked at him and thought, wow, he looks pretty happy, he looks pretty cool, he's quite jolly. Like, kids used to get on with him and stuff, you know. Um, So I thought, he seems like a pretty cool guy, I'd be like him when I'm older, perhaps. So um, I was at, um, yeah, Tonneroo Primary School until I was got to year two. And then I, I moved schools. That was probably the biggest thing I remember. It's like moving schools, which is quite a big thing for a young kid to to to, to go through. So but leave some friends behind. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, leave some friends behind. I do remember my parents like telling me, "Look, we're gonna next year we'll be moving to a different school." And obviously, you you're a bit sad that you're gonna miss leave your friends behind. Mm-hmm. But again, I moved into another like I just remember the other school I moved into was great I enjoyed myself there and stuff made made some uh, obviously made new friends there friends I'm still friends with today that's um, nice so so yeah and I mean even from my first like Tonnery I was there to like year two so what are you in year two you're like I don't know five six years old yeah, maybe um, you're not you're not that old but to still be friends with some of those people on Facebook now is like yeah that, that, it is pretty cool to, to, to have them friends still on you know you're connected with yeah and I, and I was never like I don't I remember being I don't remember being like particularly good at a lot of things that are now relevant to my job role now. Like my, I look back now as I'm, as I'm getting older, um, recently married, you start thinking about it, you know, what, whether or not you've got kids marriage, stuff. By the way. Thank you very much. Um, and you start thinking about, okay, well, if I was to have kids, like what sort of parent would I be now as a sort of reflecting on like the, the adult that you're now becoming now that, I'm, now that I'm 30. I look back at my folks and I think, well, I don't remember them really like, pushing me in one direction or the other or um i would do something you know some sort of expression of self and they wouldn't be like oh you shouldn't do that you should be more like that or you should go and do this sort of thing they just gave me the opportunity to just like get involved with things do stuff um 
and yeah just just didn't really put any rest- it didn't feel at least like I was putting any real restrictions granted I don't think I met that with any keen desire to do anything too rogue you know so maybe that's why <laughs> maybe if I had gone like showed an, uh, uh, an inclination that I was going to go and do something pretty rogue they might have they might have reined me back in there I but... tend to think that there's a bit of a chicken and egg thing so if you had one pushy parent you would end up pushing against that parent yeah I th- I, and I think there's a lot to be said for that I think like if your parents put up walls you're going to want to like look over those walls and like maybe try and break through them or see what's around the corner of them More you know whereas if they don't um yeah, I don't know. You can just be you're just a bit more free. You're just a bit more curious. You're not you know you're not always directed to that that thing that you're told you can't do or that you shouldn't do. In in retrospect, now the the one thing that my old man says that he deliberately tried for me not to do is to get involved in competitive sport when I was at a young age, mm-hmm. which is obviously a topical thing given that I'm now involved in sports. Um, yeah. and I don't know if he was intentional with this but when you now look at like the ideal models for what we call long term athletic development which is like how do you take a young kid and make sure that they're nurtured in a way that benefits their like their athletic abilities into their um, sort of like from there being a toddler to being like a child to being like an adolescent to then be an adult how do you facilitate the optimal transition through each of those stages and like one of the things when you're at your early age is yeah just don't put the emphasis on like being competitive and like the serious nature of it um put the f put the emphasis on like enjoying it um yeah and yeah open up your kids opportunities to get involved in like lots of different stuff because then they can learn what they like learn what they don't like and, and I, looking back um, like I said I don't know if it was intentional or not but that was definitely what I had I got involved in lots of different sports um, and lots of different other stuff as well I played, mu- played musical instruments and stuff so again I didn't know you played musical instruments well I played the trumpet when I was a kid um, like everyone else you know you go into year three and you start playing the I don't recorder. Know, I had recorder you start playing the recorder <laughs> I was just, just going to say that um and then I, my mother comes from a very musical family. Um, and so they got, uh, I, it might have been her influence, I, if, yeah, I promise it was. I started playing the trumpet. I just remember how blinking heavy that thing was. It's like a, when I was in primary school, <laughs> lugging a trumpet into school. Um, but again, I don't remember not enjoying it. I remember thinking, oh, this is cool, get involved in this. And again, this goes back to when you asked me, like, what was young Jack like? And I just think I, he was lucky and he was fortunate to be have all these opportunities, you know? Um, so yeah, played played musical instruments. So I had all these things that I was getting exposed to, and yeah, just I guess learning what I enjoy. just being guided by enjoyment, basically, which I think is a cool, that is, a cool that is place, a cool thing. Cool, so cool place to be. We, and it wasn't like anything I enjoyed, like my parents would like put on the table for me. Um, but it was like I just I just had the opportunity to just get stuck into things. Yeah. Did you have any uh, friends that you you know hung around with outside of school, and you kind of. You, yeah, in those days, not really. Like it was mainly my school friends. Insofar as I didn't get involved in like extracurricular, like I didn't go and play like in an under eights rugby team or football team, like I see some of my young family members doing now. Um, yeah, I didn't really do any of that. Really, it wasn't until I got to secondary school that I started to to, to do some of that stuff. Um, so yeah, really, up until primary, up until the end of like primary school, that was it really for me. It was just that I just so, had that school environment and that stuff that I was in. And, what yeah. do you think kind of inspired that? Because obviously your dad was a massive kind of influence. Yeah, massive role model of mine, and he was very sporty. He played rugby to a high standard and stuff, as well as playing lots of other sports. Also, maybe that could be what it was that he'd grown up playing lots of different sports, and maybe enjoyed that. And he was like, right, I want my lad to get involved in lots of different sports as well. But again, it wasn't narrowed. It wasn't just down to sports. Like I went to like. Um, 
Cubs, you know, like the one before Scouts and stuff. Oh, I go Cubs. To, yeah, I go, to, I go to Cubs. I um, have my trumpet, go and do, yeah, go and do a few bits and bobs at school. And I would go along to like summer camps for like football, rugby, other sports stuff. But it was never, I don't remember ever it being like competitive or like having a pressure or I never had a dad on the sidelines when I was that age being like, you know, do better, do this, do that. You know, I just, I just remember feeling quite quite free I, I was like getting into music I remember like first discovering like the sort of music I was into and then I like listening onto the radio um here just, here just finding all these new things really yes like when I think back to my my like my early years in childhood I guess it would just be that yeah fortunate position to yeah just be learning all these different things in life and I didn't feel at the time like I was majorly restricted which like I say says something for the fortunate nature of the childhood that I grew, grew up in but equally um, I don't, maybe I wasn't that rogue a child that those boundaries needed to be put up I guess um, so it, it sounds like you had kind of like a, a, like a I, I want to say like an open chalice type thing you had a you you was able to you was given the freedom to to uh, not just express yourself but become expressive yeah. yourself and I, and I guess like that makes sense and, and, to, to and, formulate your own thoughts and yeah, and, stuff. and some of that makes it feel like it was like yeah whatever I wanted I got and it was no it was nothing like that and I didn't come from a, a particularly affluent family that uh, you know um, in those days um, it was nothing like that at all but it was just I don't know I just I just look back at my childhood and there, I just remember like doing stuff that a kid should in my opinion should do you know yeah. and again I think that's very fortunate to be able to look back on the thing that I, when I think back to my childhood I don't think of like traumatic experiences or like difficulties at home and stuff and again that's not to say that it was all like red roses and everything it was like you know we came from like it's this super super privileged background but I just remember just being like just being a kid really yeah, just being do, doing what doing what, kid, doing, what kids, a, doing what kids do really it's such a, yeah. a refreshing thing to hear because you hear you know I'm, I can list and, and loads of things that have happened mm. um, you know going growing up and to hear such a refreshing story from yours like, yeah. actually nothing you know there's no um, there's no dark clouds no, looking no, back there's, there's, no, no, there's no big dark clouds that I remember the thing that's always been a massive part of my life is family yeah. um, my mother's one of eight so you can imagine how many oh, wow. uncles aunties cousins I had on that side of the family um, most of them didn't live in Cardiff they would live further afield but in Cardiff I had a again a very very strong family basis around my dad's side of the family um, with a with a great sort of like head of the family in my nan and bounce um, it sounds like there, there was a lot of um like big family gatherings yeah we have loads of that sort of stuff and again I consider myself now that I've grown up to know that you know not everybody gets that and this is why now I'm, I've got an adult's perspective on my childhood because when you're a kid like you don't know much different right yeah, maybe, you, may, may, maybe you look to a few kids that you know might have it worse off than you might have it better off than you but I, I never remember being one of those kids that looked in either direction really um um I remember the just thing is just, just being a kid and just doing what kids should do and like I say family played a big big part in that um, yeah having like yeah family get togethers like especially around like Christmas time and Christmas birthdays and stuff because my family that I had in Cardiff lived pretty locally as well that yeah it wouldn't be 
uncommon to like see your wider family like multiple times a week you know see cousins and stuff because maybe we'd go to my nan's for a couple of nights a week when my parents were still in work and there'd be like me my sister one of my cousins there maybe that nan was looking after my nan used to cook 13 cooked dinners for the wider family twice a week that's nuts mental right that is nuts um, she's an unbelievable lady um, and just, just stuff like that you think back on just like, yeah just, I look back on it like what a f- yeah, what, a, what a fun she's like she used to get like two yeah like two sausages and a few bits of this few bits of that and she used to do it for like 13 people so, so it, it looks like there's been some fun memories yeah I, remember all, I just remember all these, these <laughs> plates being there we'd be watching like I don't know whatever was on the TV at the time and she would be doing all that stuff and um, yeah there's some fond memories there. yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah yeah and so, again very lucky to, to have that going forward into like kind of adulthood you were choosing your you know you're doing your exams choosing your career path as it were yeah so obviously I, I take you did work experience yeah yeah what, so we had to do work experience at various stages throughout throughout school in secondary school um, and I remember like again this is like something I look back on I think is like was this by product of the environment was it was it luck was it sort of like a genetic thing but having not done obviously sports played a, a massive part of my life and continues to do so and I imagine will do so forever um, but it was when I started transitioning into secondary school that I actually started doing actually well in sport and when you did start to compete I actually found myself doing quite well and so that that sparks an interest and I'm a big advocate now when people when, when I because I and I do some of this stuff with younger people about like you know what is it to, what does it mean to like maybe find your find your passion find your direction in life and one of the things that's resonated with me the most there is like imagining a Venn diagram where you've got three overlapping circles um, one is like what you're good at one is that you enjoy and the third circle is what you find challenging and like the sweet spot that drives like passion um, and that drive is that bit in the middle where those three circles overlap. Something that you think you're reasonably good at, maybe like relative to your peers or relative to your own abilities. Um, something that you um, enjoy doing and then something that equally you find quite challenging. If one of those three things is missing there, there's going to be something that doesn't quite get that fire in your belly, you know. Um, whereas I think for me that thing was was sport, but I and I and I found that at an age where you know you're at high school and you've got the opportunities again through again I was quite lucky my high school did was like a was quite good for sport so um, it means I could get involved in lots of sports again and um, and then yeah so that was a again like a pretty central pillar for then what determined what I would do whenever I thought okay I've got to go and do work experience now so what am I going to do my work experience in I remember doing two I remember doing one. Both my parents were teachers, so I had quite good connections amongst different teacher uh, groups throughout Cardiff. Um, so that must have been really helpful. Oh, it was, it, it, <laughs> it, it was helpful in a lot of ways. There were a few things we look back on and you think, yeah, when you have both your parents are teachers, sometimes they would flick into teacher mode when they were at home, which sometimes was welcomed, sometimes wasn't. <laughs> um, but on the whole, definitely the net influence of that was undeniably positive over the course of like my 
my young life before fl- flying when, the nest. When you, know? you were at school being told off for something, assuming that you were told off for anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't sound times. like you were. There were a few times. I think I did all right in the grand scheme of but, things. Were you like, yes, Mr. Wilson? Uh, well, or yes, Miss Wilson. Oh, no, or, or, or <laughs> what were my parents, you mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know. That's <laughs> a different like, story. Yes, that's, probably, that's probably a question better asked for them. Yeah, in the school, certainly, I think it was helpful. But... Um, so yeah, through those teaching connections, I did one spell of work experience, like shadowing a PE teacher at a, a local primary school. I would just go around with him and just yeah, shadow what he was doing and, and helping him out. Uh, and then I did my second lot of work experience for uh, a company that I was ended up working for, which is like a sports shop um, owned by a kid in my class in, in, in school, in secondary school. And I used to do summer work there. Oh, and then A um, sports shop owned by a kid in your sex his, his family owned this <laughs> okay. so it's like an independent sports shop shout out to YC Sports um, <laughs> they used to do a weird mix uh, but they used to do like sports stuff like sports clothing sports kits this sort of thing but they also used to sell school uniform for like local schools as well so in the summer you used to get crazy busy there because everyone would be buying the uniform so um, uh, the lads um who was in my class used to like recruit from like kids in in my year group and then subsequent year groups that came there after my sister did some work there for him for a while um and so yeah i ended up doing my work experience there through the connection that i had so yes sport was always like a uh, a theme there with the with the work experience that i did um so yeah that was what I was doing so that's what helped you kind of it shape 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 the young Jack as it were to, to, to a degree if, if if I'm totally honest I did that work experience because you, you had to do it mm. um, yeah I enjoyed it there was it was useful experience but I wouldn't say that and this is no disrespect to the experiences that I got on either of those I wouldn't consider those to be like the pivotal moments certainly there were things that I was in and thought yeah I, I don't dislike this stuff because I think that's quite important when you throw yourself into different experiences that could or designed to like inform your future that could be like work experience placement or something like that on those experiences finding out what you don't like I think is equally or maybe even more valid than working out what you do like absolutely um and I don't you know all of that stuff was like yeah okay I, I get an idea this is this is pretty cool yeah I enjoy this you know there's nothing here that I really dislike I don't remember any things that oh, I really I really hate this I really don't want to do this um there aren't many things that I remember. I think, I think this is why I look back on that. I really think, oh, I, I really, I really detest doing that. You know, I'm quite an open-minded person. You know, I just get chucked in, just get get involved in whatever I was it is. Say, that, talking that gets to involved. you, you're talking to you outside mm. of this podcast. You kind of, you have been an all-round person. Yeah, you quite. I don't know. I, I mean, we've chatted about all sorts of different subjects. Yeah, and you, you've just soaked it in, and yeah. you've just kind of, you're not a gossipy person. You're not a Mm. you're just kind of a yeah okay yeah you know yeah. And, and that's but that for me that I've, I've always found that a very um uh, a very refreshing thing and also a very very not well for a very reflective thing mm-hmm. probably from your perspective sometimes people might come to you or might rely upon your shoulders mm-hmm. to unburden themselves and you might potentially yeah well it and this is going off on a bit of a tangent here, but there's like two things that I think are good to pride yourself on. Like one is like working hard. I think that's a good sort of thing to pride yourself on, on doing consistently. I think a second thing is like helping others. And if you, you get an opportunity to do either of those, if you shun them, then that's something that you should reflect on and think, 
uh, maybe I could have done better in that scenario. Yeah. So if anybody ever comes to me and there's a potential that I could I could help them in some way, um, yeah, 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 always because because again another big um, sort of compass point for me like how I like to live my life is like imagine if I was in the position of the person that's coming to me right now and. I felt I wanted to chat to them about this particular thing that they had in mind. Like, how would I want to be greeted by them in this period of time? Would I just want to be dismissed? Like, they don't really have any time for me right now. Or would I like to be listened to and, and like, have my counsel on or something like that, you know? So, yeah. that's often... If, if you've interacted with me and I've not given you that sort of, uh, I don't know, I've not sort of reciprocated those things, then I, I personally I reflect and I think mm, I should have done something differently then in that sense. Yeah. But I tried to always be like that, you know. Um, I, I totally agree with you with the, you know, if, um, the, you know, there's been times in, in my life where I, I've never meant to shun or I never mean to shun anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, there, you know, there's times where I, I help people and help them as best as I can. Yeah. And I never mean to shun anyone. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I may help them out too much yeah and that's my own downfall mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I, it's, it's down to me really yeah. it's down to you know and, and, and me kind of taking the reins and owning that responsibility yeah the, 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 um, the only thing I would say in response to that though is another key principle that I think is really important the way that I, I function really is you've got to put yourself first and foremost yeah. and that sounds selfish and when, when you when you first hear that you think well that's quite selfish like look after yourself first before anyone else but in order to like help somebody else like you've got to come from a place where like you're you know you're in a good place you know yeah. and you're in a position to give that person what they need at that moment in time yeah. and maybe if you're not if not if everything's not quite right with you in that particular moment and you you know you can't really do that for whatever reason like you, you know you've got to look after yourself first yeah. and foremost so i imagine in your case and this is just from my impression of knowing you if there are times where you maybe not been able to help somebody out as well as you you maybe like it's maybe because that was maybe you needed to put yourself first or maybe yeah. you didn't put yourself first in that scenario yeah. and the person you were trying to help maybe didn't get what they maybe needed as a result do, 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 yeah, is that, yeah. a, fair, is that yeah, a fair that's comment? a fair comment because yeah. you seem like quite a selfless person and so I can imagine sometimes you'll you know you put others before yourself and I think definitely there are that's a very Poss- broad possibly far too much well that's a very broad term to use to say you shouldn't always put others before yourself but um, there are circumstances where you where you where you would do that, but the conditions where you would do that is when you know you're in a good position to to to, to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. And of course, where you have where you have made a mistake, it's equally important to own that mistake. Yeah, yeah. Learn from it. Absolutely. Take, take accountability and then and learn, try and put it right as best you can, and, and then learn from it. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's uh, that's the only way forward. Really, yeah. it's that's, the a, only... that's obviously a big tangent to have gone off. off the yeah, back completely. Of, off the back of work experience, but, <laughs> completely. Um, um, but you know that this is what we do. Though this is this is how unfor- how our conversations, conversations unfold. Go. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so th- this is kind of what happens. We ended up we end up interviewing each other. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think I remember where we were though, which was that that idea of um, finding what you're good at, yeah. what you enjoy and what you find sort of challenging and I think it was finding those things throughout my like you know teenage years that that was that those things like the guiding things for me and a lot of that was sport um 
Yeah, and I just yeah, I just I the sport ticked those three boxes for me. That fortunately, and this is I don't want to come across big headed here, but I was reasonably good at sport. I wasn't the best by any means, but I was reasonably good. Um, I really enjoyed it, uh, and maybe that was because of some of the positive experiences that I had it, as a kid in like not being pressured into sport. Sport wasn't a a pressured thing, a thing I begrudged. Um, Did and, you kind of um, at one point? It sounds like you had at one point you went to possibly your dad more than likely your dad and went dad I'm going to take sport seriously uh, do you know what I found that out myself I, and I remember it vividly it was like year six when we had the mini marathon for sports day so you had sports day in, in primary school and um, that was obviously all on the day as the name suggests but there was an event that you did before sports day that contributed to your house because we had yeah. four houses yeah. Um, in the in the school, and I was part of Harlech, which is like a all of our four houses were named after castles in Wales. I was in Harlech, and um, I was never any good at contributing to Harlech sports performance. And the other big one in Wales is the Eisteddfod performance, which is um, which is like uh, you also have a big Eisteddfod day around St David's Day in Wales, and you get points for lots of different creative things like. Um, I remember the one I, I often ended up in like the poetry competition we had to recite a Welsh poem that was the one I always <laughs> ended up doing but it was stuff that was like artsy sort of creative stuff um, there was like a calligraphy one so it was all that sort of stuff and I was just very average at all of that stuff really um, until I had my big moment in the year six mini marathon which they, which was like a contributor to the sports day that you did like a week before sports day was on and I came third and that was like it was such a massive upturn in results from what I'd ever achieved before it was like definite <laughs> like middle of the pack mediocrity so I remember in year six I came third and I was like wow that's really good for me I was being, being ahead of all these other kids that used to like whip my ass for like years and that was the thing I thought ah alright maybe maybe this sport maybe like running is what I could be good at and so yeah I started doing more running and, my, and I remember like my dad would just like he maybe saw it as well and would just like just give me a little like bit more wind in myself I was like yeah maybe maybe try out for cross country when you get to school like, I think cross country might be good for you and it was never like you should go do cross country sign up for the, like sign up for Cardiff's cross country academy and do this he was like yeah I think I think cross country could be good for you so like, just used to give me those little, that little nods just a little nods it wasn't like an aggressive push it wasn't like a, you're the best cross country runner I've ever seen so you go and whip those other kids it wasn't anything like that it was like he was like yeah I think maybe cross country would be good for you like just a subtle little nod I, in the right direction and so then I sort of like took it up and got better and better and better um and then got more and more involved in, in rugby. I was still playing football, but got more and more involved in rugby. And I was doing quite well in my rugby. I vividly remember like not really knowing what the hell I was doing on a rugby pitch. But I just the odd little thing here and there. And like the kids who'd been playing rugby when they were much younger would like be giving me these big pats on the back. Oh, that must have been quite a good thing I did then. And um, I didn't think anything of it at the time. Um, but I used to do a few things on the field. Like, I remember one of them was. I remember when you play. I don't. Do you play rugby? Do you ever play rugby in school, Pete? I played rugby and I had my face sat on by Andrew Pitkin. And okay, yeah. Like, so you, you, do, know, my, you remember I was, those I was literally. Things, but my yeah. nose was like facing the floor, and I was like, no, this is not no. No, <laughs> so, I, 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 do, I do not like eating ass. Thank you. No, <laughs> no. I don't know why this was the. This this was a this was a thing of mine. One thing I just I used to do. 
I think it might have had a lot to do with the fact that, again, I didn't play competitive sport when I was really young. It used to play against certain schools. And I remember, like, all the lads in the changing rooms before we went out would be like, oh, you know, this school's got so-and-so playing for them. And then boys would be, like, panicking about coming across this guy on the field and stuff. I didn't know who this kid was. Like I said, I didn't know anyone outside my school friends when I was, when I was in, like, primary school and stuff. So I just didn't have that fear factor for these kids. Like, it meant nothing to me. So we, there used to be like, you get a penalty in rugby and it, the, the tactic when you were like in year seven and eight would be like, right, find the biggest kid, the kid who's like already got a beard, his balls have dropped already. Be like, <laughs> Give him the ball and he's just going to run as fast and as hard as he can. And I just used to be like the kid who used to run and tackle that kid, basically. And it wasn't because I was like a macho kid and I wanted to, to show everyone else, but I just thought, right, he's got the ball, he's on the other team, so I'm going to go tackle that guy. Um, and that was it. I just, I, like- I used to go and do it and I, and I was all right at it, you know? Um, and so there are little things like that where I just started to, to see things that I was good at and then that start when you when you got quite good at things especially when you're that age you know if, if it gets you a bit of like social status at the time as well yeah. like kids say oh like Jack did, Jack did well in that or he's doing good at that or they're giving you a pat on the back saying oh well done for doing so that you're, you're like okay for like to be on the team yeah and stuff like no, that, that. that sort of thing so you, start, so you start to get that stuff and, and then obviously as you get older um, those things get more serious you do start to play for clubs outside of school you do in my case you do start getting um, picked for like um, like regional like, um, county level stuff and you're doing alright at that level and stuff and yeah it just for me it just kept it just kept going and going and going and I think again going back to you know what was young Jack like lucky and sort of like fortunate I don't remember doing like loads and loads and I don't mean for this to sound arrogant more so for this just backs up my statement of being lucky was I don't remember doing like loads and loads and loads of structured training for like the particular sports that I did. Yes, I'd go to rugby training a couple of times a week. But for, it was structured. But for like, but but for, like for my running, for, for, for my running, like I, I was doing, I was winning some races and then I ended up running for Wales when I was in year nine, which for me was like still to this day, like one of the biggest privileges I've that's, ever had. That's massive. Um, to, to, to represent my country in sport. And I came like second from last in the international day. But for <laughs> me, it massive. didn't matter because I ran for Wales. And for me at the time, I was like, Amazing. Oh, mate, that's it was at Stowe School, just around the corner from where I have ended up being now. Um, I went back there the other day, actually, and walked nice. the course and stuff, and it brought back a lot of nerves. <laughs> I still get nervous being in that place. I remember how nervous I was for that race. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I just remember like being, I don't know if it was natural good, or maybe I did do a lot of training, but thinking back to it, I just enjoyed my running, so it didn't feel like training. Um, I, I do get what you mean and, and anyway that, that, that then just enabled me I think to just keep staying on that trajectory of like mm. still being quite good at this still enjoying it part of the reason I enjoyed it is because I was good at it relative to you know what I'd done in the past and maybe some of my peers around it again I was not the best by any means I was very average when it came to that sort of level when you got to like big levels but um it, for me, in the relative scheme of things, like sport was a thing that I thought I was good at. And academically, I was, I was pretty good as well. Um, I get very lucky for that. Do you think maybe the sport kind of, and giving you, in having had that focus, helped you academically? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. Because it kind of honed I, I get, I, again, I don't know if this was, again, you had teachers for parents, so you knew, like, you had to do well at school because, you know, your, your, your parents were teachers, you know. Like, if you didn't do well at school, like, what were you doing? Um... And I don't know if I, I took pride in doing well at school for that reason. I, I don't know. Again, maybe I think I think it was almost it can it becomes like a part of your identity yeah. that you did well in like your 
year two SATs exam so that that meant that okay when the year six SATs exam came around you thought okay well I better do good here because I did I did good when I was in year two um no one's revising for their SATs exam in year two I was just like, you know, <laughs> I just, I just, like maybe I was just all right at it and I just I just I don't know fluked it or maybe I was naturally a bit clever I don't know that sounds very arrogant to say that but I guess that became part of like your identity like, okay, I've yeah. got to do well in this test because I did well in the last test so I want to keep that going likewise with sport like okay I did well in that race so want to do well in I've got to do even better in this race and so I guess I just absorbed those two things as like part of my identity that I, I wanted to be someone that prided themselves on like being good at sport because I enjoyed what that did for me personally and then in a wider sense like it, when you're at high school being good at sport especially in Wales especially playing rugby is like you're good at rugby like in the school hierarchy it, it, that does if there's pretty two well things that the Welsh are known for it's they're singing. <laughs> I was never a great. I was never a great singer, but after a few beers, I think differently. But... <laughs> Maybe I'll have to hear it one day. Instagram <laughs> yeah, me after a few and beers. The sport. So there's, there's two things. It's the singing and the sport. Yeah. Like, that's the two and things. Even that deeper in sports like rugby, I'm sure there are a few people that say otherwise now with like how well the football team's doing. Um, but yeah, rugby, especially at school, was like yeah. Was, was was good to be you know in, in amongst the rugby team and stuff so, so obviously going going forward then into adulthood and you've 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 done your you've done your work experience yeah and you have now kind of set towards this kind of this sport kind of mm-hmm. you know life where does the career bit yeah. Start. So, so I, I really, I, I never really knew what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I don't remember looking back other than being a lollipop man, obviously. Um, when I was in like year seven, eight, nine, ten, didn't really have an, an idea of what I wanted to do. I was always like, and I still am to this day, like um, very present. Um, like when people ask you, like, where do you see yourself in five years? I like never have an answer for that question because I'm just, I don't, I don't think like that. I just think, right, I'm going to do as best I can with what I've got right now. And five years will take care of itself, in my opinion, if I do that. Um, I think this stuff is the, the future question, huh? Well, you, buddy, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm giving you the answer to that now, insofar as no one could have predicted COVID, right? So if you True. ask someone in 2018, like, what are you going to do in five years' time? I don't imagine, well, maybe that's, uh, what, let me get my dates right. What was it? COVID came in 2020, right? So if so, you ask someone in, in, in like 2016, like what are you going to do in five years? I bet not many people say I'm going to be locked in my room and I can only go out once a day for a walk, you know? So, um, yeah, that's point. so for me, anyway, um, I've always been someone that's been more present. And that is what, when I look back on it, is really how everything planned out. I was like, just like, focus on just doing well in your school and just see what happens and I was good at and enjoyed again coming back to those things that I had like what are you good at what do you enjoy and what do you find challenging for me that was PE and the second one after PE was English I really enjoyed English and so you're like um, maybe this goes back to the Welshman in me that like, I actually enjoy like the the writing like poetry and stuff I actually really enjoyed that stuff and I like, reading the books going through like um, we did like Blood Brothers and we did Of Mice and Men and I really enjoyed that and like the I had a great teacher which I think obviously helps when you when you look back on things for for, oh, for both of those subjects for English and for and for PE and so I thought okay well these these things that I looking back at it they were they were fulfilling those three things that I've said multiple times now so I thought okay well what where, where might they get me and I thought, okay, well, maybe like sports journalism. So after I finished my GCSEs, um, I was like, okay, well, sports journalism is what I want to do. So I thought, all right, I pick PE, I'll pick English because I, I enjoy it, as we just said. I picked geography because my old man's a geography teacher. 
Um, and I thought oh, it would be good to have a science on my A-level, so I picked biology because I enjoyed that one the most of the biology, physics, and chemistry. Like The others didn't come naturally. Maths doesn't come naturally to me, and biology was a science that involved at least maths, I think. So I think that's what gravitated it me It does surprise maths. me, considering sports and math kind of work. Yeah, there is, there is, some kind of kind of there is data and numbers and stuff yeah, in that. Yeah, it does but surprise me. That's that something that never, never came naturally to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I picked biology. Went into A-levels then and hated English. Um, my intention was to always really? drop biology when I got to year 13 because you would drop one of your four A-levels. You, yeah. you would do four ASs and you drop one and you do three into year 13. And my intention when I picked those was always to drop biology. Um, but I ended up dropping English. Um, and yeah, there was. I, I remember it vividly. I, I, remember being, I remember missing a day of school for whatever reason. It was rare. I didn't miss many days of school. I had to go and play catch up or it could be I was playing sport and I had to duck out of a lesson to leave to go to, to play sport but anyway I had to catch up on this biology lesson and we did we, we were studying something called glycolysis which now is like a, a big part a big principle in what in what a lot of like yeah certainly like uh, energy production in the body yeah centers around really and I remember just studying this on my own the teacher just set this task for me to do um, I think it was in a lunchtime to catch up on my work I remember going through it and it was like I don't know it just seemed so logical and it made so much sense as to why these different processes like one led into the next process led to the next process led to the next process like this byproduct went off and did this this went off and did that and it just like re- I don't know it just really spoke to me and I was like okay maybe that again that's sort of like I quite enjoyed that then and so that's ticking like one of the boxes I definitely found it challenging so now I just had to quite maybe like enjoy biology in general and I guess it was that the relationship that it had with um, sports because a lot of biology is linked to like the human body and stuff maybe that's what then ticked that third box of of enjoying it um, so and yeah I, I'd done reasonably well in it so that was ticking the box for the, being, being reasonably good at it and so yeah then it was like okay well what can I do with biology and sport and it was like sports science and then that, and then that's where it went from there um then you start looking at the unis that you, your grades can get you into to study sports science um and i was lucky in that i did quite well at school so i i could choose some good universities for that um, and i had two universities on my list um one offered a placement year, which at the time was quite rare for, for, for that particular course for sports science. So you could do a year in industry with like a professional sports team or some places like in Australia, you'd go and study at university in Australia for a year and get involved in some of their stuff. Um, and then there was this placement um, with, yeah, Porsche Human Performance at Silverstone. And obviously that name jumps off the page at you and you think, oh, that's, that, that's pretty cool and different. And I wasn't massively into like cars and Formula One and stuff at that time. Um, but the thing that I enjoyed about it is that it kept my options open because it was a very um, multifaceted placement to get involved in. And as someone that didn't really know what they wanted to do with their career at that stage, I thought, well, it makes sense, therefore, to pick something that's quite broad so that it keeps your options open rather than go for like a very narrow remit in terms of what you do on your placement year. And then if you end up not liking that after your placement year, well, uh, that's, that's maybe quite limited in what it's going to offer you in terms of moving forward to, to try and progress in that particular area. So I knew that so by you, keeping my options open, um, yeah, that would be, that would be maybe the most beneficial thing for me in terms of, yeah, again, whatever would come next. So, and again, in my present mindset, it was like, right, 
if that's where I wanted to go, it was like, right, do the best you can this year at uni to make sure you get the grades that makes you an attractive proposition for that placement provider. Great, next, right, you've got your interview, do as well as you can in that interview to get to, to, to get the place. Great, got the place. Get on the placement year, it's like, right, do as best you can in this placement year just to get the most out of it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ended up being a job that I've done now for eight years when they offered me a job to go back there after I finished, so. So you started off like, Bradders, who was like mm-hmm. the intern. So I started um, off as the intern. I was the third intern that they'd run on that program. Um, so they've been running the internship program for three years. Um, the reason they offered an internship program is because um, Andy Blow uh, and Elliot Shalafor as well, the two um, founders of the Porsche Human Performance Centre, had done placement years at Bath, um, studying the same or similar course to what I I had stu- I was studying when I ended up going out on my internship. And it was their means of giving back to the university to offer a placement because it served them well. Andy did his placement with what was then Benetton Formula One. And ultimately that's what got his foot in the door with motorsport and then led to him coming across Porsche and then the Porsche Human Performance Centre being born in a very um, condensed version of that story. And so, yeah, he wanted to give back to Bath given the opportunity that ultimately gave him. Um, and they offered a placement year. So they had two placement students before me. Um, so I was at like the third one. So there'd, there'd been a bit of like a program established for how the placement worked, which was useful. It wasn't like I was a guinea pig, like the first ever placement student that, that they'd had and stuff. And and just, just got stuck in really, just threw myself into everything, tried to give as good an account of myself as I could, tried to work hard um, and just get as much out of that year as I possibly could. And towards the end of that year, they, there was a few little whispers like, oh, um, if you'd consider coming back, we'd like, we'd, you know, maybe we'd like to have you back. And Obviously, so. you ticked a few, but quite a few boxes more than what the other two had. You'd have, so, to, you'd have to ask Andy, you'd have to ask Andy and Elliot that, 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 so that it's, question. It's but, clear that you did, you did well, because otherwise you wouldn't be here for the last 10 years. That's a, a logical <laughs> assumption to get to, so I'll go... I'll go it's, the best, I'll, it's the best one I've come up with I'll so go, far. I'll go with it. There's, <laughs> the, yeah, the... the so yeah, I, I like to think I made a good impression in that year. So they then offered me a job, like the like pretty much when I started back for my last year at uni. So my internship was in my third year at university of four that I was going to do. Mm. I did two years at uni, went for my placement year with uh, with Porsche and VO2, the company that I technically work for that are contracted to run the Porsche Human Performance Centre. So did my year with VO2 Porsche Human Performance. Went back to university then, and like I think I started back in uni in September. And in October, Andy Nellett said, look, um, it was pretty much a case of, look, if as long as you don't balls this year up royally, um, there'll be a job for you here if you want it when you finish. And it was like, what an unbelievable like, place to be in, right? Um, I was like, I felt, felt so um, lucky to have done that, to, to, to have been in that position. Um, and it's sort of it sort of took the pressure off to an extent you thought right when you were doing like a really hard assignment at uni you were like ah, look at the end of the day if you do really ball this up you've still got a job offer to is in that one bit of coursework that wasn't going to ultimately destroy my whole year at uni and I've still got that one job offer to fall back on um, and uh, yeah anyway went through my final year at university again even though I had that that job offer in the bag was like still, again, I think it's that part of the identity I mentioned that I, I wanted to uphold standards I'd set before by working hard in my first year. I really tried as hard as I could to nail my final year. Um, and having like weighed up the options, decided, yeah, Porsche was a bit of a no brainer really to go back to and just again, um, 
enjoyment was always the big thing for me don't get me wrong in any job you've got to make sure that it's, it financially makes sense and it sort of as a student you don't really know much you don't really know what that means to be honest so it's like right let's just fire into this and I knew I was going to enjoy it because I enjoyed my year here like massively as, a, as an intern so I knew I was going to enjoy it so at the very worst it's like going to be a year or two of like back in that environment you know the people there you get on with them you enjoy it it's a cool place like get stuck in again and then maybe if you don't enjoy it or you, you figure out that actually something else you want to do something else well you can use that time while you're still learning you still get experience to, to to find out what else you want to do so really i approached it with the attitude of right let's get let's fire back into porsche like enjoy it again and stuff and, and get back into it and then if you stop enjoying it then look for something else yeah and i'm still here you've got a year left on your contract haven't you I think you, so yeah a year, I think so. year and a bit or something left on your contract I, I, I think I don't know how you, did I tell you that I don't know you did tell me did that okay. you did tell me that oh yeah because so I get extra holiday I think I was telling you about I, I my have, I, think I, I, have, about my I, holiday. I remember these things you good, 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 good I reason I don't, I don't really yeah. chat to anyone about my contract Not, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't even, I, I don't even think about my own contract I remember so. these things you might know better than me it's my job to remember these things no you've got about a year and maybe a year and a bit left on your contract yeah. Where does Jack see that next? I oh, know you like to live in the moment, but where do you see things going? Really, I again just think, okay, let's just keep getting your head down, keep doing as good a job as you can here, and then what comes next looks after itself. So you know, there's been there's already been discussions about me continuing on. You know, having a year left in your contract sounds like it's a temporary thing. That when that finishes, it's like. That you, you then come to a big crossroads. Doesn't mean to say that you won't get a you won't get an extension or you won't get another contract. Maybe. Yeah. No. Exactly. But thankfully, you know, Elliot and I have been in conversations, and he's keen to keep me on board and stuff. I'm very keen to stay on board. So yeah, that that sort of like maps. Out, you know, me and Elliot um, have regular um, sort of appraisals, just chat about how things are going from his perspective and my perspective they're always they're always pretty good um so yeah everything's still being like still like ticking all the right boxes really and so if i can continue one year two years three years four years five years beyond now and all of those boxes are still being ticked then um from a career perspective happy days you know like i'm getting fulfillment from that part of my life and one of the things that as 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 I've you know gone into a career now, I mean I'm, I'm still I like to think I'm still quite young. Um, well, you're 30, 30, thirty. Thirty. I'm thirty. Yeah. Um, so I'm not young, young. I as definitely feel it. I'm getting as, feeling as a little bit older. I'm thirty-seven. Yeah, I, I can still, tell you that oh, you we're are still in the thirties, Pete. You are. Um, but I, I like to think that um, whilst career is definitely important it's definitely an important thing to really you know, be, am, be ambitious with and, and to keep striving you know, to make sure that your career is giving you everything that you want it to um, career is only one part of your life right there's so much more to life than what you do in your in your day job so Absolutely. for me personally my life has been about growing in multiple facets in your, in your career and your personal life and stuff and, and recently there's been a lot of development in my personal life so that's where I've been experiencing that a lot of the the growth there and um, yeah I'd like to say in five years time the biggest shifts for me as an individual could be career based um, I'm in quite an effervescent environment where things pop up from time to time and 
you're in an opportunity if you've been applying yourself really well like I said living in the moment like constantly striving to improve and develop yourself that when one of those opportunities comes about because of that hard work that you've been putting in and that, and that desire to keep improving and stuff by default you should be in a pretty good position to, to, to grasp that opportunity with both hands um, that's that's the way I can see my career most probably progressing because in my industry there aren't lots of very logical career paths like mm-hmm. unlike having said both my parents are teachers my wife is also a teacher and you see in that environment there are clear progressions that you can go up the ladder to, to, to continue to continue climbing and so it might be easier for them to say well in five years time I consider myself climbing to that position or, or what have you in, in our industry like those positions coach or something yeah th- th- those positions are, are less clear th- th- they are there but they're less clear and they're less they're less universal across the field of, of sport sports science performance coaching but in your in your honest experience let's go with the experience over knowledge because you have a multitude of experiences now of teaching and coaching and what have you in your humblest opinion what is the difference if for anyone who wants to kind of get involved in those things or learn a bit more about teaching and coaching mm. what is the what is the clear difference between teaching and coaching good question well i guess teaching is like the educational component of it right it's it's making sure that how can you convey particular bit of information to somebody in a way that they're going to understand and engage in so that imparts the knowledge to the individual the coaching aspect is then the application of that knowledge so like you might know by virtue of me teaching you what a good pre-exercise meal might look like um that's conversations on that with that's useless <laughs> if you don't know how to source those ingredients, to prepare those ingredients, to put them on a plate, and then ultimately eat them. You know, um, so I would say that is an example of where teaching differs to coaching. If we're gonna if we're gonna isolate them out into two different things, I think there's a, a huge amount of crossover um, between the two. I, I'm not sure how well they can be separated, but in the specifics of like if you're a teacher, like my missus or like my my folks. Um, and then the, I guess in that example, like teaching would be giving the kids the knowledge. Coaching as a teacher is like right, how to do well in your exams, like how to apply that knowledge into an exam paper, to like read the question, to like formulate a structure to your answer, um, stick to timings, you know those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. That's like giving them the knowledge and then the, the 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 understanding of how to apply that to get an end result. Likewise, in our field, if I'm using nutrition as an example, there it's like yeah, these are the sorts of nutrition habits to follow and this is how you can actually stick to them in a real world setting this is how you can put that into like a real life um, sort of setting and something that you as an individual can can do and that's where coaching comes into the mix and teaching as well this is where there's the overlap is that you would teach the same message to two people very differently potentially based on which based on their backgrounds how they are as a person and then that's where coaching is like an art in that you've got to be able to put on different caps and um and yeah deliver the same message very very differently yeah their learning style their their baseline level of knowledge and understanding their prior experience like if i'm talking to a michelin star chef about like uh, about nutrition I probably don't need to spend too much time on telling them how to cook the foods that I'm telling them they should be eating. Whereas if I'm doing it to a 15-year-old racing driver whose mum and dad cook all their meals and never cooked for themselves before, okay, 
yes the conversation might still be around what they need to be eating but there's a lot bigger conversation with them to be had on how they're going to then go about cooking those foods where they can buy them from what might be cheaper ways of getting those foods if budget might be an issue and then you speak to a Porsche customer that budget is no issue so I might say to them well don't worry about going to Tesco let's just go straight to like a uh, I don't know like a some sort of fancy meal prep delivery service because for them cost isn't the issue it's time and so you know there are all these different things that come into the art of coaching that make ultimately conveying the, the the knowledge behind yeah I guess that's where the sports science comes in in terms of you know what approaches lead to the best outcomes but that that knowledge is meaningless if you don't know how to apply it so I guess that that's where your kind of uh, your research and experience has come into play mm-hmm a lot but research gives you the know-how as a coach which is like what are the good things to do experience teaches you how best to impart that knowledge on different people and that's what again I enjoy about coaching um, is everybody's like a, everybody's a bit of a puzzle uh, everyone, everyone's a different puzzle and everyone presents their own challenges and you, you've got to you've got, you know, got to work them out a little bit you've got to understand what makes them tick and um, draw from different experiences and um, empathy is a big thing for me in the work that I do it's part of the approach that I have with you is like right but like what I said to you before about like you said to me that um, about when we discussed about helping people out I was like put myself if someone comes to me I put myself in their shoes and think right how would I want this person to yeah. be right now so it's like when I've got a, uh, an athlete uh, a training client a nutrition coach whatever it is in front of me I think right I was in their position like what things would I need to know to, to to be able to get the results I want to change my habits to do this certain exercise the correct way um, and I quite enjoy that it's almost like Sherlock Holmes like in a way you're like, you're like deducing certain things about okay if I if I communicate it this way the response I'm going to get from them is going to be like this and you compute right is that is that a good thing is that so I might think okay if I put this message to them I'm going to be greeted with like major confusion it's going to go right over their head or it's going to go in one ear when I, so I think to myself okay that's not the message to use okay then you think of something else like, okay how would that message land with this person and then I think okay I can see them actually yeah maybe a few light bulbs switching on if I was to communicate it that way um so yeah maybe let's go with that approach and then you're always like everything's unfolding in real time you're always then delivering that seeing how it's landed checking things like constantly like assessing how your coaching approach is, is landing with the athlete um or the, the training client whatever it is in question and you just there's always that 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 that, that interaction and i guess that's that's a big part for me where i seek value or I, where i get value in my job is in that interaction with people i, I really enjoy that um I guess as well if I'm, if I'm being totally honest I also enjoy the variety of my job and that sometimes it is very you know I'm in front of people but there's also a significant part of my job where I'm in front of a laptop and I think having a balance is quite useful there that you get a bit of a break from one um, type of working um, when you're doing the other right so you might have a day where you've got like training clients or um, you're in front of people like for a big big part of the day and then when you're in front of the laptop you just, you just get a bit of a break from that having that cap on you put on a different cap and it's mm. yeah, it's, it's varied it's different you, d- you don't get stale and stagnant perhaps so you come across as a play- people person as well which is and again I, I, wonder, I wonder if that's part of like what I said to you before when I was younger about that family environment like growing up around people yeah. and having that the, those interactions and, and perhaps as well when I was younger I didn't have too many negative um, 
negative experiences with people that put me off being around people yeah. maybe I'd, I'd like to think as well I'm quite a tolerant guy so I think my threshold for like having <laughs> negative experiences with people is, is quite high um, and I think a big part of that another thing I think is really important in life in general not not to get too deep again and go off on too big a tangent it's just like it's like perspective yeah and like if, if something if I think back to things that could be construed as being like um a traumatic experience as a kid or something that you can look back on with like negative memories and I just think well there are so many people out there in the world that had it so much worse than me like what have I got to complain about in that respect it's like get over yourself like crack on basically going back to to that is you know in terms of uh, training um, in terms of training and um, if anybody was looking to get involved in or take their training more seriously yeah what future could be in store for them what could they kind of you know? uh, are we talking here in terms of like people who want to go into a career in that sense or just on a personal journey wanting to improve their health improve we've their all, fitness in terms absolutely of- right so we've all you know looked on on our socials and we've all seen you know people looking great yeah flexing away yeah and we've all seen those things yeah. and that is, is inspiring in some degree yeah but it's also quite degrading in others yeah yeah yeah. and so so that there's a fine line isn't there between like what you just discussed there between like getting inspiration from something and then getting like a, a fear of like yeah um damage from like that that comparison yeah. I, i've got an expression that and it's not my expression it's an expression you hear banded around quite regularly that comparison is the thief of joy right um and social media is terrible for that um, it's why I'm not on social media all that much and why I mentioned Facebook as being like the first social media format that um, I, I mentioned evil. in this. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the oldest one, the first one I joined and the only one I'm a part of now, really. But anyway, we digress. If someone's looking to like, um, yeah, go down the, the, the journey of like training or like a nutrition approach, something, you know, in my line of work that is to like bring about some sort of outcome... The first place they need to start is why they're doing that. So you're you're almost turning the lens internally here and being like, is this because of like an external drive that it's like a comparison? Um, for example, um, you feel pressured to do something for that reason um, externally, or is it like an intrinsic drive for like self betterment? Like you seek value in training because you know that by being fitter you can do this certain thing in your life which you know is going to bring you value bring you joy that could be like somebody who wants to train so that they can join their kids when they're like playing in the park or that you could then maybe go and play some sport a bit more and you know that you'd enjoy playing sport a bit more um and you feel like you lack the fitness to do that in the first place if someone's looking to diet because they want to lose body fat for example it's not because they want to look like the person or they feel pressure to conform to like the social media norms of like these perfect bodies that's a whole nother discussion in itself um it's because they know that if they were to do that that might lessen their risk of developing diabetes which if their goal in life is to is to live long and to live well that might be a good thing to do you know so that would be definitely the first place i'd start is like what's your why What's your reason for want to do that? Um, and try and really center around 
the intrinsic drives because we know and this is coming back to like sports psychology here that those intrinsic drives are the most powerful forms of motivation they're the things that lead themselves to um yeah the most positive outcomes sustainability the ability to follow those positive habits and again that goes back to like when i was a kid i didn't do sport because i thought it would make me look cool or because it would make me you know get a physique that was going to look impressive on social media i played sport because i enjoyed it it was like i was with my friends i got fun from it um and it's it's the same now like i enjoyed that the, the challenge that training presents myself yeah. like can I beat what I was doing the last week and um, and you know you enjoy that f- that feeling of like taking care of your body and, and the implications that can have for your health and the implication that that could have for then like my kids and going back to what we were talking about before about being the best version of yourself to then be in, a, in as good a position as possible to help others um, I know that if I'm feeling good, if I'm healthy, if I've had a good night's sleep and I've eaten well and I've got loads of energy, when someone comes to have a chat with me, I'm like less, you know, stressed by what I can handle my work well. So I've got the time and resource. Like, yeah, spend a bit of time and devote a bit of energy to them. You know, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, 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 definitely. If someone's looking to embark on that journey, yeah, understanding your why and making sure that that why is as powerful as possible. And there's a technique that, that we're using coaching which is like ask like the five whys it's like why do you want to train it's like because i want to look good it's like well why do you want to look good and you answer that question then you ask yourself well why do you want and you keep asking yourself why and that causes you to get deeper and deeper and deeper gets um less superficial more intrinsic and then that's what's got to be your anchor if indeed you can confidently say that that's like a moral that's like that your why aligns with your personal values in terms of like what what who you are as a person and what things you hold sort of close to you in terms of your identity and your values great okay now we're on to something that's what you've got to have at the forefront of your mind to be that thing that when it's a bit cold outside you don't really want to go for a run that thought comes to your mind you're like okay that's why i'm going to put my shoes on i'm maybe wear one extra jacket so i don't get quite as cold and i'm going to go out and and, and smash that run why um, question it's very it's a very hard hit hitting question yeah people it? don't want to do it it's hard it's it's like, it takes ah, a bit of time yeah you know because you, you've got the what's and the hows which kind of go around it yeah but the why is very direct yeah it's very ah. and a big thing for me is like accountability in, in just all aspects of life like don't go looking for blame um just can control the controllable like what can you do right now like yeah oh it's cold outside so I'm not going to go for a run well you can put a few more layers on perhaps you could maybe say okay well, I was a bugger at school. I was a bugger for my mum so I always wrap up warm and yeah. going out in shorts you, <laughs> could, you, could maybe, you could maybe do a bit of a warm before you go out so your body's already a bit warm so it's, when you open the door it's less of a shock to the system you could say okay well maybe rather than going on a half an hour run because it's cold I'm going to set myself the target of maybe 10 minutes and if I feel good at 10 minutes then I can maybe go to 20 minutes and then to 30 so you make the challenge a bit less daunting in that respect you try and take control of the situation in any way, which way you can and that gives you that direction okay well, well, well let, let, let's go with that um, so yeah you know that when it comes down to that why it's about it's about taking that accountability for, for, for really why you want to do something um, 
and understanding that realizing what that why is is going to be a key part in your journey and so if you really want to take accountability you you're really serious about pursuing that journey of eating better um being more active um you're going to take the time to understand why you want to do that as part of the process and then when you've done that that that's that's done then it's, it's out the way and that's like an unbelievable anchor to think you know this is this is why I'm doing it. When the going gets, to, you know, you, you know, you you're on your run. It's really hard, and you're doing loops. And there's like, you could just turn off at this loop and go home. But then you think of your why, yeah. and that motivates you to do that that one extra lap that you had planned. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that would definitely be. And those a lot of what I've just said there like relates to each other. That intrinsic motivation, that finding your why, taking accountability, um, you having that internal sort of focus is things. Right, Jack, it's been an absolute awesome pleasure to chat to you. But you know, knowing us, we, we chat for God knows how long. Well, I think it's something that nowadays which is, you know which is society awesome. there isn't enough of in society of just like like right now we've just had I don't know how long we've had. We've had a long period of time where neither of us have looked at our phones. We haven't yeah. we haven't probably given yeah. much, we haven't given much thought to like the outside world. It's like yeah. Two human beings just connected and like had a conversation. Yeah, and like just unfortunately that doesn't happen all it, that often. It really days. doesn't. Or it doesn't happen as often as I as, as certainly I would like it to and to have. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, life is conducive to not interacting. COVID, I don't think has helped that at all. No, absolutely not. COVID and has been a, 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 a definitely a challenge for a lot of people, especially older people. Yeah. To, yeah. To, to 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 get over and I suppose younger people have probably adjusted I guess to the new changes I think that's questionable you know I think I, I, think, know. I think I think if you ask them they're responsible yeah I've adjusted I've coped but deep down have they definitely coped insofar as have they gained the skills have they missed those years at school that are going to like set them up for like successful life in like homeschooled by parents being given instruction by teachers yeah I think that, that again that's another podcast in itself but <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think at the crux here life is getting more and more conducive to you know minimal human interaction it's, and yeah. and human interaction at a very very superficial level like like of a social media post or it's you know, getting quite sad uh, isn't it whereas I think there needs to be more of this these like yeah just like chat just, just and, proper conversation exactly yeah I think it's I, think Absolutely it's, love I enjoy it I enjoy oh, it yeah. yeah love conversation anyway so thank you very much for joining me you're welcome I've enjoyed it oh!